What kind of pots and pans does a chef use at home? What medicine does a doctor choose for their own cold? How does an accountant manage their personal budget? In today's episode, I sat down with Nicole, who is a certified public accountant, wife, mom, and the money manager of her household. She's here to tell her story of using YNAB for a few years, but consistently finding it lacking the options and information she was looking for in a budget. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped people like me get smarter about things like saving on travel, spending less on airfare leaves more money for food and fun, putting away money for retirement. I hate to break it to you, but I don't plan on doing this podcast forever and saving up an emergency fund because life is like a movie. It loves a good plot twist. The good news is we can learn how to be prepared for those twists and turns. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, Nicole. So before you started pay period budgeting, let's first talk about what you used and found to be helpful. What tools? What was the most recent budget tool you were using? The most recent budget tool was YNAB. You need a budget. But actually, right before that, I kind of went through the whole Ramsey Thing. I dove deep into that coming out of college. I had a little bit of college debt. We really didn't have much debt. I graduated and then like six months later got married. My husband didn't have any debt and I just had a small bit. So we worked on paying that off. And then after that, kind of fell off of the Dave Ramsey thing just because I feel like he's very good with the planning to pay off debt. But mm-hmm. beyond that, it just didn't work. I don't know. I, I'm not going to have envelopes for my, at the time, I mean, it was like an envelope system and it just would it did not make sense for us. But mentally, that is how I functioned. Like, this is how much we have. And this is, and we never went into debt. We did use credit cards similar to how we do now, where we pay them off each month. Actually, I, so we got married in 2014 and I kind of just like did whatever. I worked full time here and there. I had a, our first kid in 2016. And by our second child being born in 18, I had met a friend who was like raving about YNAB and how great it was. And honestly, it's very similar mindset to Dave Ramsey. So it worked with me. I was like, oh, I get this. Like, that sounds awesome. I read the book, listened to the audiobook, loved the ideas behind it. And then at that time, I actually looked back at my subscription that was, I subscribed in 2019. It was $84 for the year. It was well worth that. So I used it, but what happens is it, it, what it does is it like, you can connect your bank accounts to it. And I loved that. Like that was like what hooked me like, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. I just have to like assign or I forgot. I think that's what it's called. You assign the transactions to the different buckets of money that you have budgeted. It's a zero based budget, which is very similar to debt-free mom, but all the time my bank accounts would get like disconnected and it drove me nuts. So basically what ended up happening is I bought it thinking, well, I did this so that it would be this magical transaction link thing and I wouldn't have to manually go in. But what it ended up doing really was I just never touched it for like, I would get annoyed and never go into it. And then when I did sit down to do it, they had this button called like the fresh start. I feel like I fresh started like five times, which totally defeated the purpose of their like, one of the philosophies that they had was called like, I had to look this up too, because it's been a while since I've the age of money. Their big their big thing is like how old is your money that you're using today to spend? I don't know if that makes okay. sense. 
like they wanted it to be newer or they wanted it to be older? Old. Okay. So the longer your money sat before you needed to spend it, the better you were financially. So if you use this fresh start button, you started at zero again. So it tried to discourage that. Like you're not supposed to. But I mean, inevitably, I'd be like, well, I haven't reconciled this stuff in like two months. Like I can't go back. And it was just too much. My husband is a pastor. And at the time, he only got paid once a month. So it actually worked well. Why not? Like in that regard, I think that often what's mentioned is like the multi pay periods in a month can sometimes mm-hmm. be harder to budget. And that's how YNAB does like a monthly budget. That actually worked okay for me at that time. As long as we had cash, it worked because if I went over, I just covered it. It was like not really, I guess, in that period stage of our life, it worked well, like YNAB. Mm-hmm. But I did not keep up with it. I would not say that I was fully confident in my numbers every day. Usually I just like, you know, once every couple months, like go in and be like, oh, okay, hopefully we're on track with what we expected. And and it was okay. But yeah, that that was my biggest struggle. And the fact that I had to always like use the app. And while I loved the idea of the app initially, I think at the end of the day, like it was almost a crutch. I had to either manually go in and put in a transaction or even matching them to the correct spots compared to using a spreadsheet like Debt-Free Mom spreadsheet. You can put in the expense ahead of time and just highlight it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I was listening to a previous podcast about the Mint one, and she mentioned the same thing. And that's how I function with it. I just highlight it. So it's actually kind of like you already did the work when you budgeted and you don't have to redo it by putting a transaction in. I think a lot of times when people do sign up for something like Mint or YNAB, they're thinking, oh, it's automated, so I'm not going to have to do anything. Like, it's all going to be filled out for me. It's going to be categorized. But what I've found when I used, I used to use Mint or when I talk to other people, you still have to touch each transaction, basically, because either you have to assign it or it tries to automatically assign it and it doesn't do it correctly. So truly automatic in that you don't need to ever look at it or fix anything, I don't think even really exists. No, exactly. And my biggest thing is my husband has a separate credit card. Like we share finances, but he has his own credit cards and I have my own credit cards and we pay them both off. But if his got disconnected, I like didn't even have access to get back into Mm. it. And it's like it sends him a a code, you know, like on a cell phone. I don't know. It was just really frustrating. Or you texted you. So it was like one, so many extra steps to do that, that it wasn't like, it just ended up that I felt like we were never budgeting, even though at the time, like, I think I couldn't find anything that was comparably better. So I did hold on to it. I mean, I literally, uh-huh. my subscription just ended on October 31st and I did okay. not renew. I hadn't used it. I just canceled it, but I wasn't, I wasn't using it. But you did have it about four years. Yeah. And probably okay. like okay. three active years. <laughs> about a year ago, I moved from New York to Wisconsin and we bought a house. We were not living in our own home before. We had a parsonage, which is a church-owned home since mm-hmm. he was, when he was a pastor there. And now he's a pastor in Wisconsin and we own a home. And so that kind of also changed a lot of my budgeting. Like our, I'm sure you know that from your current <laughs> moving is a big thing. Both moving. I mean, and then just like the change from Basically renting, I would say that's very similar to renting, to owning and having more responsibilities and like emergency fund became 
larger. Yeah. So that that when we moved here last November, I was sitting down with I went to school in Wisconsin. So I was sitting down with a friend from college and she actually mentioned your she's she had started using your spreadsheet and she was like, oh, you have to check this out. Like just in packing to you about your budget. Like, I think you guys are just like you're in line with how she thinks you should follow her on Instagram. So I did. And then in February, kind of bit the bullet and set everything up. I'm a CPA. So, yeah, that was the middle of tax season. But it, I think I was just so stressed out that I didn't know what was going on in our finances that I'm like, I just need to, like, get this under control. So what specifically would you say made you, like, were you sharing with your friend something that was like, oh, this is the really frustrating thing that I'm trying to, you know, fix? What was that? What was that primary pressure point where you were like, the method that I'm currently using just isn't working well? Buying the house. We had a mortgage mm -hmm. and we moved in November, which was like right before winter gas prices, like the mm -hmm. heat. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like our bill was like 200 last month and it's 400 this month. I need a better budgeting system because I'm not going to be able to keep up with this. It was just a, not a, I don't have the money, more like I, I want to know what's coming next and I want to be able to see that. And that is one flaw that I thought with YNAB that was if you're renting or have very solid expenses, like fixed expenses, it's probably a little bit better. Like I said, it kind of worked okay with our old lifestyle, but as soon as like we got into a more variable, like something breaks, we like need to be able to see that on paper or if I want to do a hell of an improvement, I want to be able to save for it. YNAB did not have a very good like forecasting. You couldn't forecast ahead. And if you wanted to like save for Christmas, it had to be on every month. It would say Christmas. So you couldn't just do like, OK, the three months before Christmas, I'm going to save up a, a little bit of money. Yeah, there were like ways to like make them inactive, but like not like how I really enjoy on the spreadsheet, like just writing in like in September school expenses or for my kids or in November and December, like the Christmas stuff. Like, I just like to be able to see it in just that month. Like, I don't need to be overwhelmed by Christmas in February right. that I need to save up this much money by December. It's just a different, it's not necessarily a different method because I feel like it's still zero-based budgeting in a way. I think that the Debt-Free Mom spreadsheet allows me to do both zero-paced budgeting and forecasting, which I think is yes. what is lacking. Sometimes you can find just forecasting, and sometimes you can find just zero-based budgeting. So it's just simple, like the flexibility of the spreadsheet of being able to say, well, this is what I think I'm going to get, and this is how much my expenses I expect. And then that month going in when my paycheck or when my husband's paycheck comes in and actually making those final tweaks, it just works better for us. The reason why my friend and I were talking is she was planning on purchasing a home soon, and she was telling me how your budget was helping her see how much they could afford monthly. Mm -hmm. And then I was sharing with her my YNAB experience, not even the experience, the budgeting that I do and how we don't take on debt and like not for a mortgage. We did take on debt for a mortgage, but yeah. you know, everything, everything but a mortgage. And we like to live within our means and things. And, and that that's when she mentioned you and how, and then she actually had her laptop maybe the next time and she showed it to me and she's like, here, see, you can, it's a $9 budget. You can go in and just buy it. And I was like, oh, yeah. okay. So I checked it out. And that's how I ended up finding your budget and it just maybe part of that is being an accountant the excel was just easy or i, I use google sheets but it's the same thing <laughs> using a spreadsheet method made more sense to me too so are you still on a monthly pay schedule or when he switched jobs did you, did your pay like frequency change the pay frequency changed we're now by is it bi-weekly i don't know mm -hmm. or twice a month it's first and 15th 
Oh, okay. Always twice a month. Yep. That's what we are too. And since then, honestly, we've had a lot of home repairs. Like it's kind of crazy in the last year. It's like, okay, we're homeowners. We have a lot of things and and it has really helped (laughs) to be. You got your initiation quickly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We did. (laughs) But yes. Okay. So that was in at the beginning of this year, you made that switch. Yeah. So we had moved and we already, yeah. So we were like, no changes to be made on the moving end of things. That was already right. So when you switched and you started using the Devry Mom template instead of YNAB, can you remember back to like what were some things that you maybe right away noticed were different or better than what you had done with YNAB? Instant fresh start. I love that. That is probably my favorite thing. And I and that's actually why I'll share your template or your spreadsheet like your instagram with everybody i know because i'm like it's you can't mess this up it's you go two weeks and you start over or whatever your pay frequency is so i feel like it's so forgiving and honestly i have not had a point since february where i felt like i couldn't keep up with it that's just me personally i think like i just found time to do the budgeting and it's work but also if i was on vacation or something i don't think I'd feel terrible about like, okay, this pay period just is done. We're going to move to the next one and yeah. leave that one behind. And and I was not able to do that as easily on YNAB, which is why ultimately it would get like months behind. Because uh, YNAB does really make you like reconcile everything, don't they? Like there's not a whole lot of leeway. No, exactly. And they they track your credit cards. I think in the beginning... It, Well, sometime this year you started switching from your credit card or maybe you started using them. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. You did a whole thing on credit cards. And I was definitely like sign up to have it pay off each goal, like the billing cycle. Yes. Uh, So I think that was kind of eye opening. Now I do the I pay it off each pay period. Um, Okay. And it works well for us. And I can I, I think that was probably a big change that felt it was a small change that felt big once I got into the groove of doing it. Yeah. Because I started to really realize like that I had more, I have way more control of the cash in the bank account, I guess. Yeah. And it adds to that fresh start where everything truly is clean slate each time you start a new budget. You don't have to be like, oh, well, the budget is a clean start, but I have to pay the whole month's statement. Exactly. And and I think with YNAB, I used to get messed up on the credit cards. If you, I mean, you could probably Google like YNAB credit cards and there's so many people trying to figure it out and explain it. Like both of those things. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do I do it? And then the other person trying to explain it. But it, I guess in, in my head, I, now that I'm beyond it, I'm like, it should not be that complicated. Like mm-hmm. that it should need so many tutorials on how to use credit cards and YNAB. So that was one thing that I think helped me want to continue on to the spreadsheet uh yes that you can decide how to mark them as paid and all that kind of stuff yes so in ynab with the credit cards i'm curious because i have used mint but i have not used ynab when you're using a credit card and a transaction comes through is does it have a process for being like oh okay you charged that but you haven't paid it yet because the big thing to me the big question mark to me is how, do, how does YNAB make sure that the money is there in order to pay for that balance if you're going to pay the balance later? Like, is there a way for you to see these are the transactions that I've charged, but I haven't actually paid them off on the balance yet? Yeah. So in the app, it tracks what you paid on 
the credit card and the credit card it takes it out of your bank account it transfers the money into the credit card line item if you use a credit card so when you when you put the transaction in you tell it that you're paying it on a credit card and that it increases that amount from your credit card line but it also reduces okay. it from your cash line so it is still zero budget and if it goes sure. in the red then that means you are in debt so you can mm-hmm. also track debt in there because it just stays red i think i think that was right the col- i'm sure it's the color but yes it was a color yeah. coded <laughs> thing and it would turn red so like you could start with debt obviously not everybody is debt free when they're starting to budget. So you could start with that and then the goal would be to bring that to zero. But unless your credit card cycles were perfect, which even if they were, just that's just not how credit cards work. You always right. carried that into the next cycle. And then mm-hmm. if you overspent, it like didn't go into the next cycle. They just removed that money from your amount that you can budget. So if you were like negative $30, if you overspent by $30, when you go to budget the next month they would have already removed that $30 which for me was just it was hard to track if it was right like I think that was my biggest struggle is having the fresh start each month with Step Free Mom and then also like literally calculating how much cash I have every month because I go and look at my bank statement and I put the number into ultimately I adjust that number even if I've like guesstimated it or something. I fix it in the spreadsheet to make it right and start there. With MyNab, you were kind of like relying on all of those things. It's I mean, it's essentially a big spreadsheet with a bunch of formulas in an app, right? So if one thing is wrong, I don't know. There was definitely a time where I like went to go reconcile and I was off by like, a thousand dollars somewhere and I just could not figure it out I think the difference is the people who I see find a lot of success with YNAB are really intrinsically motivated type a like everything should be perfectly in its place so they're the ones that like actually enjoy going in and you know every transaction getting assigned and those kind of things um, and it's kind of a dichotomy because I would say you're probably like that, too, as a CPA. I love numbers and spreadsheets and having them organized. But when it comes to like our real world budgets and, you know, you have families and kids and homes, we just need to me, I need a tool that allows me to not be 100 percent perfect. Right. And have that like budget buffer or be able to just be like you said, like this pay period was a mess. We're just starting fresh the next time. I feel like being required to put everything in its correct spot all the time would have been something that made me resistant to being consistent with that because there I like I said there are people that really do find success with YNAB but I do think it's a certain type of person who wants everything hyper organized I agree I also think that like it just took more time I mean I think I can use your budget spreadsheet much quicker than I ever could do YNAB. But again, I yeah, I have friends who do YNAB on the go. Like they do just mm-hmm. like what you add in a receipt to your grocery section on your spreadsheet. I have friends mm-hmm. who do that same thing on YNAB. So it totally works for some people. I think that the minutiae is what probably led me astray a lot. The yeah. other thing that I, I, and I don't know if I did this myself or there's like plenty of groups, like Facebook groups for, for YNAB too. And I know I was part of mm-hmm. some. And I don't know if it was they, them that influenced me or like the book itself, but it was always like save $5 for something forever, you know? And that also mm-hmm. that that uh, mentality of like 
If you want to save $1,200 by Christmas, save $100 a month and you'll have $1,200 at Christmas. Um, That's not really how my own brain works. I don't want to, I just don't want to track the like $5 here and $5 there. Like if I need $1,200 for Christmas, I will start when I need to based on my income and how much I can save each month and just back into it when I need to. Like, so if that's August, that's August. If it's November or October, if it's February, fine. But I don't need the whole year necessarily. So they would do the same thing with the, like, I know that's how they kind of talk about their subscription cost, which while it did cost monthly or yearly, I paid an annual fee to use YNAB. I would say that wasn't usually a huge deterrent because I think that's true for most budgeting things. Once you're watching your money, $84 really isn't very much money. Um, I'm sure some people would be like, I would never pay for a budget app. And I did for four years. So, I mean, I'm not like anti-paying for a budget app. because Yeah, that's like seven bucks a month. That's not a huge deal. Yes. But they would say, like, I feel like their method would tell me to save $7 a month. And so I'm like, no, like, I'll just pay the $84 yeah. in the month that it's due. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how much I'll save then. <laughs> I don't know. I think that is a um, helpful distinction that you bring up. I think people who also really like sinking funds for, like, everything really do like YNAB because that's how it's set up. Like you said, where if you're like, if you want to spend 500 a year on kids clothes, it automatically will start putting that monthly amount aside. I find very little success having tons of sinking funds because then I feel like the the extra money that I do have, which is sometimes larger and sometimes a lot smaller, is all going in a hundred different directions. And so then you're left with a very small amount left that can go into savings or investing or whatever. And then it's like, well, I don't really need, you know, $20 in these six different categories this month. But there are some people who really do like to have all the subcategories of sinking funds. And so maybe YNAB would do that better. I call it saving sprints. So I like to, like you said, I like to reverse engineer, you know, if this trip is going to be in July based on how much is left as I'm building my pay period budget, how many pay periods ahead of time do I need to set money aside in order to have what we want for the trip? And then I just do it that way in a little sprint right before the trip happens, as opposed to every single month, all year round, I'm saving for 20 different things. Yep. that's And that's more mentally how I work. I think YNAB really is for those sinking funds, though, because like I said, your budget categories, they transfer every month. And I mean, so does your worksheet if you want it to or the spreadsheet. If you want to Mm -hmm. have the same categories, you can. But you definitely have flexibility in getting rid of some and adding them without having to see all of them. That's my opinion. Right. That's how my brain is like, okay, like I said, I don't need to see Christmas in even January. Like it's too soon. (laughs) I think those saving sprints was actually another thing that my friend, that was the other thing my friend mentioned when we were talking about buying house because she was like saving for a down payment and she's like saying how they're in this like saving sprint to get to the next, to get to their next goal for their down payment. They were like going to just save for the next however many months. And that's, that's what we got to talking about. And I was like, oh, that totally like resonates with me. That's how I, that's how I save for things. I'm just like, if I want it, let's save for it and be done with it and then move on to the next thing. And then I get to enjoy it. And I don't have to like, wait so long for my $5 to add up. I think oftentimes what actually ends up happening if we do such a small amount over time, inevitably something else is going to come up and we need to use that. So then we feel like the goalpost is always moving and we never actually get there. 
if we have to save $10 a month and something costs like $800, we're talking about years and years and years. So I, I do also operate that way with like whatever we're focused on. I would rather just have only one or two things that I'm really intensely focused on achieve them quickly and be able to move on to something else. And I think that's why the forecasting, like you mentioned, you know, being able to plan those multiple pay periods ahead of time, you can't really rely on savings sprints and just doing it short term if you're unable to look ahead, right? Because then you can't actually figure out how many pay periods ahead you need in order to save up for that trip or whatever. If you have to wait until the month actually starts, then you do end up needing to rely on sinking funds because you weren't able to see the months ahead of time. But if you are able to plan out, you know, three to six months in advance, then you can look at six months from now and be like, yep, I only need two months to save up for that. So I don't need to worry about it right now. So I'm obviously in the budget a lot for the current pay period. But then I'm also in the budget a lot looking pretty far in advance just to make sure that those bigger variable things that might be coming our way are all taken care of. And I personally love the blend of the budget and a calendar where I can kind of say, you know, what's going on for our family calendar, our kids doing park district sports or whatever, and just go to that specific pay period and drop whatever that fee is in that specific pay period and not have to worry about spreading it out. It's just like what the paycheck can cover that pay period. And then I don't need to have it last multiple pay periods. Yep. That's how it works for us too. And I love that I can just make those small adjustments each pay period for that same reason. And still at the end of the day, it's zero, but it's zero based. Like yeah, when I actually am operating in the current budget, it is only what I have coming in and out that is really in there. Um, right. I also think YNAB kind of lacked because of the lack of forecasting there was this, I think you talk about this a lot with like income versus expenses and how much more income can you get to reach goals. There was kind of like this, I feel like unknown, like unless you did a forecasting on your own, you could not do this mm -hmm. in YNAB. You could just work your work and work and work and work and keep bringing in income because you didn't know how much more you would need from a forecasting perspective to reach right. some of the goals quicker. So I feel like I just have more control over that. And I, I am self-employed partially part-time too at a company, but that allows me to look at how much we have coming in in the future or expenses or just like, like, like I said, goals, vacation, things we want to do or buy and make changes to my own income that I think with YNAB, I was just unaware of like some of the things we could reach quicker because we were only budgeting what we literally had in our bank account. I like to be able to play around with hypotheticals, right? Like okay, what if I took on this extra part-time job? And then in the debt-free mom template, you can go in and, you know, you could add $500 a month in income and play around with how that would affect something before you actually decide if you want to go ahead and take that, if it's worth it to you or not, for example. I can't imagine not being able to look more or even, can you look one month in advance? Like, can you plan the next month before it starts or do you actually have to wait until that month in YNAB? If you don't have the money in there, you don't plan it. it okay. It's literally pulling dollars. So how the app works is like your money is on top. So like when you get it. So it was kind of fun. It was like a game. Like when the money came yeah. in, like let's just say it was like two grand came in. You'd have $2,000 on the top on the it like to be budgeted is what it's called. TBB. And then 
and then you divide it into the different categories that you have set up. And there's like a goal amount maybe that you have. Like I want to save up $400 for groceries. So you maybe move 400 into that category. And then as you spend, it lowers that $400. But once the to be budgeted is zero, when you go to the next pay period, there's nothing there to budget. So like in these forums and Facebook groups and Reddit or whatever, people would uh-huh. just like, some people would export to Excel and just like do their own forecasting. So it was like one step further that I never did because that was just like too much work. And then you have to like manipulate it more. Like I'm sure that it wasn't, you have to create formulas and like at that point, like I'd rather just buy a spreadsheet that's going to do it. Like I feel like it wasn't, I never did that kind of forecasting. At the time though, like I said, for us, it worked in the moment. We had three young kids. I wasn't working as much. My husband's income was the majority. So it was fairly easy to follow YNAB for that yeah. reason. And and when I did fall behind, it wasn't like we were over, our expenses were pretty fixed. So it was less of an issue during that period. Yeah. But when I got to the point where like, okay, my three kids are almost all in school. I'm working more and I need to get a better handle on this. And we have a mortgage and other expenses. So like, I think my lifestyle changed enough that I needed to have more of a grasp on our finances. Yeah. And just the amount of, like you said, the fear of the unknown, if you can't plan ahead, then it's like, even though those numbers are knowable, like you're able to map it out if the budgeting tool you're using doesn't map them out in advance until that pay period or that month starts, you're kind of just like, well, I I think it'll be fine. I, I hope it'll be fine. So I think having a forecasting tool that allows you to look ahead with specific dates and specific amounts in mind and actually have a certain degree of confidence instead of, you know, cross your fingers and say a prayer kind of approach. Because I think a lot of times people who aren't yet using a budget tool that works for them often make decisions like what you mentioned of, well, I just got to go make more money. You know, like if if we make more, then it'll be at least a higher likelihood that things will be okay. But if we use a tool that actually allows us to see those real numbers in advance, sometimes it's actually like, oh, we don't need to make more money or, you know, like our expenses actually are okay. But we make those decisions simply out of fear of the unknown when those numbers are knowable. <laughs> and that happens a lot. I mean, I think... Uh, in YNAB especially, but even Mint, another common factor that I see of people who find success are the ones who consistently have a solid gap between their income and expenses, even if they spend without tracking specifically. So that tends to be higher earners or two-income households, you know, things like that. But the people who have like that razor-thin margin between income and expenses, they really do need a tool that can let them plan ahead so that they can make a plan for some of those pay periods that aren't going to have as much income where they can't afford to just be like, oh, well, I'll reconcile once a month because it'll all be okay. Yeah. So actually, I was just thinking like about the planning ahead, the forecasting and wine app. And I was like, I guess they do have some kind of philosophy on forecasting. I don't want to like, I feel like a Somebody who uses YNAB is going to listen to this and be like, <laughs> YNAB. but I really don't. I don't think it's a bad one. I think I think for somebody, like you said, who has like this cushiony, a little bit more cushion in their budget, it probably works fine. And they're probably they probably would be happy with the the way it works, because that worked for us because we had money saved up for a down payment on a house. Once that money was gone and our 
expenses changed and the reality of we don't have this cushion in case something massively happens like it just yeah it just was different it's different and now I I cared more to know exactly where the dollars were going on a different level but one thing that YNAB does is I guess their encouragement in their philosophy in their book would be to always be a month ahead so we talked about like that to be budgeted you could go into the next month and literally plan out your budget for the next few months but once that dollars ran out, you still couldn't go any further. So some okay. people that are really into YNAB would probably have like four months where they have their current income budgeting out all the way to February or March. Yeah. And that is how they use the app. But you couldn't see it all on one page. Like you have to like swipe. One- and doesn't it, in order to do that, they would basically just have to have a large balance of money in their checking account? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like your actual cash. So right. I don't want to uh, say something that's not true, but I'm pretty sure YNAB is one of the philosophies that says don't have a emergency fund. Like, okay, don't have an emergency fund, but be four months ahead or five months ahead right. or six months ahead, which is essentially an emergency fund, right? Because you would yeah. just undo it. I mean, but at the same time, it's not an emergency fund in some respects. Because if you used it, then that money, those expenses would have to be covered by something. Yeah. Yes. So that also didn't work well once we bought a home and I was like, no, I like want to have an emergency fund. Like I cannot plan for honestly two months ago, a month ago, our main water main to our home Mm. busted, like water going into our house. It was like almost 10 grand. And like, that's just not something you have in the in the budget. (laughs) That would have been way more than a month's worth of expenses. And so I don't think that way. I think I just want this amount of money that like sits in a in a high yield savings account and doesn't move. And when I need it, I need it. And that's it. Like when I need to use it, it's there. But I I don't need to rely on it to also be paying my bills. If I want to be ahead with my bills, I can do that separately. I think there's like in my brain, there's a difference between the emergency fund and being ahead of my bills. I think the emergency fund can serve that purpose, but it's not only about my bills that are being paid ahead. It's about other unexpected expenses. that Right, right. That are much bigger than what your budget is planning for. Yes, exactly. Because I think somebody who only plans four months ahead, I mean, in theory, if you like you're a single person that just rents a house a one bedroom place or something or a bedroom out of someone's home, like your expenses could be under a thousand dollars. Right. So if you feel comfortable with an emergency fund of like three grand, fine. But if your car breaks, you're probably not going to replace it either. So I right, think that right. gave me a false sense of security. Actually, it didn't give me a sense of security at all. I was very, I just insecure, here. insecure. I was very insecure with it. I was like, I don't like that feeling. I don't know. I didn't like, like not knowing if we had the money set aside if something majorly went wrong. If you're not paid once a month, why are you budgeting that way? A monthly budget ignores the fact that sometimes your expenses are due before the next paycheck is available. A pay period budget is built around your unique pay schedules so that your money doesn't feel like a mess. Create an accurate, realistic plan for getting the most out of each paycheck. Get started budgeting by pay period today with the best-selling budget template and mini course from me, Debt-Free Mom. It's available for just $9 at debtfreemom.co slash template. And the other thing that I've heard, but not obviously not having personal experience, wasn't it really hard to reconcile what all the money sitting in your checking account was for? Like, so with my budget, 
once the pay period comes to an end, whatever is still in there, I can confidently know is available, right? Like I can roll it into the next pay period or I could use it for something. Was there a way to match the balance of your checking account, what's actually available to spend versus what's earmarked? Or did you really just have to rely on what YNAB told you was available? They have a reconciliation thing that you're supposed to do each month. Again, I haven't used it in over six, eight months now, but I believe the bank balance that was in YNAB should match your bank balance. And they always said okay. if it didn't, you needed to reconcile because it was wrong. Like otherwise, yeah. yes, I think essentially you are relying on this app, but I think you have to use your own discernment too. Like you can't rely yeah. on an app that says that you have a million dollars when you know you don't right. have a million dollars. But like, you know what I mean? I think that, yes, you're right in that way that if you missed like $500 or something, yeah, you could probably like a smaller amount that maybe wasn't as obvious, especially if you mm -hmm. keep a lot in your checking or savings or something and you didn't notice that it was off by $1,000. I suppose you could mess up. I, I, my thing was, yeah, like if I didn't reconcile it in a while, I just knew not to rely on it, which kind of defeated the purpose. So then I just wasn't budgeting because I was I never really I don't think I ever fell into a trap of like relying on something that was unreliable. It was just that I never could rely on. it. So now with the Defrey Mom template, how frequently do you check in? Like how often are you updating the transactions like on the go on the Google Sheets app or do you sit down every couple of days? What's your method now? So I do keep the app like a like a, like a bookmark on your. Oh, yeah. Shortcut. Mm hmm. On my phone, like on my homepage, just like I used to with YNAB. So that was just literally a replacement. When I decided I was going to move forward with this template, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this, whatever. I don't usually do it on my phone. I open it on my phone to see what we have just yeah. as a guideline. My budget doesn't usually change month to month that much. Most excitingly is like trying to get it down, right? Like expenses are like the okay. to reach the goals faster so grocery store and stuff i'm pretty conservative in that i like to over budget everything and then be excited yep. when when i only spend 400 Same instead thing. of five yeah and then it's like oh i have this extra hundred dollars and my husband's like yeah. the spender and the one that doesn't really understand so he's like he's like no we don't have an extra hundred you just didn't put that money in, in the first place and i'm like I'm like, yeah, but just let me play my game. <laughs> so, yeah, so I actually I check in. Uh, I mean, you know, some paid periods, it's better than others. Right now, I I probably should check in. So we got paid on the first and I probably checked in one, probably one. OK, I try to do it around the same time that I'm like meal planning because I also meal plan uh, through a different uh, through an app. So I okay. sit down, and I meal plan and I also do my budget and I figure out where we stand. But, yeah, because I've. I mean, a lot of bills are like, like we have internet and phone bills. They don't change. So just like right. going in and highlighting is pretty easy. I also like that I don't have to like literally put in every transaction. I just do like a formula like equals one plus five plus 10 for whatever yep. category I need to. So actually getting there is easier. And then usually what I do is I highlight different colors for like different accounts because my husband and I mm -hmm. each have our own credit card. And then I that's how I reconcile. Yeah. So we've been able to make like big strides, I feel like. I'm really glad, obviously, that the uh, budget feels better to you and feels like it works better. But I was curious if you have any tangible like money goals that you feel like you've actually seen progress or growth compared to what you had been doing. The forecasting was really big for me. In my job with accounting, I'm always doing 
looking back, that's pretty much right. what accounting is. Like I look back a lot. So I've kind of done each of these things throughout our 10 years of marriage. Like I've done the look back method and then I'm like, okay, this isn't helping us. I did used to use QuickBooks for ourselves. And then I did the YNAB, which was like today only and what we had in our yeah, bank present. account right now and only now, you know, nothing else. And now I'm moving into kind of both now and forward and honestly back. If I want to look back, you always talk about those percent of your income going to different categories that you can mm -hmm. look at at the end of the year. And I haven't really used a lot. I will say I haven't utilized that as much. I really love the forecasting portion of it. When we had this like big water break and spent a lot of our emergency fund, we were able to pay cash and that was like great. I felt really comfortable doing that. Now I'm working on like rebuilding that up. Yep. So our 10 year anniversary is coming up in January and we were planning to go on a vacation together. And at first, like immediately, I'm like, I don't know if we can go. And that, like that was initially, and my husband's like, are you serious? Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. And then I like sat down with the budget and adjusted some things around. And by forecasting, I could see how much quicker we could get to our emergency fund. And while we won't be quite all the way there, I mean, I think there's other factors in spending money that aren't always hitting these specific goals. So like, yes, taking yep. my husband's thoughts into perspective and then like, okay, yeah, like we have babysitting lined up for three kids. Like we need to just go on this and we'll make it work. Yeah, and, for sure. But seeing, I think the confidence of like seeing that it won't be that much further from that trip that we will hit our emergency fund goal again, that I felt right. comfortable saying, okay, we can, we can still go on the trip. So I don't know. That was kind yeah. of a big one. I think my husband was like, oh, we are going? Like, he was shocked. Because <laughs> I am definitely more of, like, the saver. He's like, I thought you said we weren't going to. I'm like, I know, but I think it's important. And while I, I don't think I am, I'm not where I wanted to be initially, like, by being able to see ahead of where we were going, I'm also a tax season accountant, so I do make most of my income in January, February, March, April. Spring, yep. Yeah. yeah. So seeing that forecast of income, I was like, oh, we can do it. Like, we will be yeah. tight for, like, two weeks, and then once... I can get rolling on working again, we'll be good to go. And I, I think like in YNAB, I would have been way more like, I don't know. Like, I just don't uh -huh. know what's going to be in the future, even though in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, of course I'm going to make more money. And Right. You would have probably had to jot down what you ended up doing in the pay period budget anyways, right? Like if you were using YNAB, you would make your own spreadsheet or write it down on paper to be like, all right, in general, this is what each month we could save. But with the debt-free mom template, you can actually plan those out with specific numbers, which I think is really important. Like, I'm so glad that you guys get to go and that you have the level of comfort that you're like, we don't have to choose between an emergency fund and continuing to go on our trip. We can see ahead of time that we're able to make that progress before you go. Because I do think without that ability to forecast, we often end up making kind of reactionary choices, right? Like we just, we're like, it just feels like not a good idea. So I'm going to go ahead and not do it. And I, I like to actually consult real numbers and be like, that, that's how you feel. But sometimes the way that we feel about our money is very different than what the numbers actually are. Yeah. And as part of this, we had already saved for this other trip. So to then take that away and put it into the emergency fund, while that sounds like the more responsible thing, at the same time, there again, there's things beyond right. money that matter. Yeah. And I, yeah. It's just different. Yeah. It's just, I think that, I think your spreadsheet template gave me way more comfort and confidence to say, we can do it and we can, we can go and we can save for our. Yeah. We're not somehow putting like our house at risk by going on the trip or whatever. Yeah. 
Yes, which felt, it felt good. It felt good to be able to do yeah. that. That's awesome. Well, enjoy that trip, both the trip itself, but then also knowing that, you know, your finance and all, all your other stuff are taken care of and hopefully nothing big like a waterline break happens for a very long time. Hope not. <laughs> but you never, you never know being a homeowner. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on and sharing. I hope, like you said, I hope people don't hear that either of us are like a diametrically opposed to YNAB. I think it's just depending on what you're looking for out of your budget and how your mind operates. There's different tools that work best for different people. I'm Kyle here with Carly for our next segment of Not Worth Your Money, where we will each share something that we've spent money on or we're thinking about spending money on and see if the other person thinks it's worth our money or not. So I'll go first. I have one. We do currently spend money on this, but I know we've had a lot of conversations about it. Costco membership. That's a good one. I actually just thought of that today or this morning because I was building a custom budget for someone and they had their annual renewal in the budget. And I was like, oh, ours is going to renew in the next couple weeks mm -hmm. too, which I had spaced that. I flip-flop on this one a lot. I, when we have a membership, I appreciate it. I, I definitely take advantage of the lower gas prices. Their gas station is much cheaper than anything else around, but I also do experience in a very real sense the urge to overspend when at Costco, and I usually end up just limiting how many times I even allow myself to step into the store because that's easier than trying to go there all the time and also be disciplined about how much I spend. So I would not, I know a lot of people are like loyal, diehard Costco shoppers who like there's two people at their house and they're still buying, you know, 40 ounces of cheese a week or something. I am not one of those people. If if someone was like, you have to give up Costco, I would not have a problem doing it in in my grocery budget, in my gas budget. I consistently find that even though there are deals, and so I'm like, ooh, that's a per ounce price that's pretty good on that beef or whatever, overall, my total spending for the month is higher when I go to Costco more, and it's lower when I go to Costco less. I agree for the most part because I do feel like the idea of a membership to a store like that, they're just making it more difficult for you to get there and so then you are like primed to make the most of your money it's the same psychology behind putting the five thousand dollar tvs as the very first thing that you see when you walk in so that obviously i'm not gonna buy a tv but then you walk past and you see anything else that's less than five thousand dollars like oh these are all good deals the thing i would have a real tough time giving up from costco is the queso that we bought <laughs> there is Ma mama's what is it called? I, I don't remember. I, just, I literally just ate it for lunch. Um, it has the name Mama in it. It's a big tub with a bright green lid. And that is, I feel like that's my Achilles heel. Like, I, that is. You can find that other places. They have it at Target. Okay, then Costco's. <laughs> Change your mind. Costco's done. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only place I know that, you, that we got it from. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have a, a large space in my heart that is filled with the queso. With the queso. <laughs> Well, I'll put it in the show notes, a link to it, but there's an episode of, is it called Money Planet? Planet Money. Planet Money. <laughs> Sorry, NPR. 
Planet Money has an episode about Costco. It's only like 15 minutes long. And they interview one of the people who I don't think is any, he's no longer like an operator of Costco, but he was one of like the founding people. He was involved in starting Costco. And I can't shop at Costco or have a conversation about Costco without thinking about that episode because he clearly explains exactly why they do the things they do that they still are doing today in stores in order to get you to spend the most amount of money possible, which is, I mean, the goal of every business, right? But it's it's hidden things that you don't necessarily think about that are actually designed to get you to spend more. One that I can think of off the top of my head that, well, if this is interesting to you, then go listen to that 15-minute episode. They on purpose do not put labels on any of their aisles, what is in the aisle at all. And they sometimes even move things around so that you have to walk up and down every aisle looking for the thing you're looking for. And then you'll walk by things that were not on your list categorize them as a good deal and put them into your cart. So it is not hard. I mean, go to Walmart and it's hanging from the ceiling. It's not hard for a store to label their aisles so that people know what they're looking for. It is a conscious decision on the part of Costco to leave all aisles unlabeled and make their customers. It's, it's, I mean, if you're a regular Costco shopper, you know, it's an experience to go to Costco. Like you actually are like, marking off your time mm-hmm. is not a it's not like walmart you run in you grab the one thing you forgot and you left it's an ordeal you can make a whole afternoon out of it you can eat your you know 99 cent hot dog on the way out so they do it on purpose because the more time you spend there the more money you spend there it's a dollar fifty oh sorry a hot dog soda cup. with a soda okay so maybe the it's, hot dog is the 99 cents. my other favorite thing about costco is the infamous quote I, it's urban legend I, I think that it's real and i want to believe in my heart that it's real is one of the founders saying to the other one, I think it's in that episode. If you raise the price of the hot dog, <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> because they want to be known for those. Guys. And and I mean, that's funny, but it's also very strategic. It's yeah. like they want to be known. It makes them be known for being cheap, even though in reality, a lot of times the, the price that you're paying for things is not actually the cheapest. Mm-hmm. Same with the the rotisserie chicken. It's their yeah. loss leader. Like it's like they lose millions of dollars a year on the negative profit margin of the rotisserie chicken. But overall, they make it back a thousand fold in how much people spend while on they're queso. there on queso. All right. Do you have no yes. money? This is, there's a backstory behind this one. Renting a dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a a triggered moment. Do you want to tell a story? (laughs) I will try to be as generous as possible. So we, it was when we had purchased our house before we're living here. We had lived there for maybe a year, I believe. It was not like, Right when we moved in, we had been there for a while, and Carly was like, I am renting a dumpster, and we are throwing everything in our house away. And I said, that's crazy. Let's just put the stuff in the garage, and I'll stick it in the garbage can. And she said, no. And then there Uh, was a dumpster. there There was a period of time between when I first said I wanted to do it and when I actually bit the bullet and did it. I I delayed. I tried to go with what you were saying. But there was, then there was a dumpster in our driveway. (laughs) Not even the smallest one possible. No. (laughs) 
you know, I think it was a 20 yard. It, it had to have been like COVID era with the basement because we threw a lot of construction stuff away. It was after we had finished that project up, but we still had some materials and stuff. But I'll tell you, we, we ended up throwing so much stuff in our house away and it wasn't anything that we would miss. It was just like, as we started it, as we had the room, it was like, oh, well, we're not going to use this anymore. And it's not even like, this is not garage sale worthy. This is not Facebook marketplace resale worthy. This is just straight up garbage. Um, because we, you know, we pretty regularly take used clothes to other people that need, you know, friends that have kids for hand-me-downs or for, for being a family of six we don't have a lot of stuff i wouldn't say so but i mean but we thought that and then we had yeah. a 20 yard dumpster in our driveway and we filled most of it with just stuff in our house so a few things that i have absolutely no re- what's it not resentment what's the word when regret? like regret <laughs> the reason i have no regret about deciding to rent the dumpster is that Number one, like you said, we filled it with more stuff than we expected to. Number two, I think there were two factors that made us, in a helpful way, made us decide to get rid of more than we would have if just trying to use the garbage can. Where number one, it was so big that it was like, you don't have to limit how much you're getting rid of, right? Like with the regular garbage can once a week, it's like, oh, well, maybe I'll get rid of one or two things or whatever. Because it was so large, I mean, we put like large toys that were completely busted up and we could just throw the entire thing in. We threw away a busted screen door that was like on a tilt. You can't throw that away, you know? So I think how large the dumpster itself was changed the way, like changed our filtering process for what got thrown away. And then number two, the fact that we rented it for one week made us get off the fence about things so it was like because the dumpster was there because i knew it was going away four days from now i systematically went through every closet every storage room and so the amount of time that we spent in the process of decluttering was condensed down into a week because we knew it's here for one week and then it's gone i would hands down do that again i would get the smaller one i would not get the larger one when they pulled up when they backed into our driveway i was like oh shoot that is (laughs) massive like that's what you get when you're like putting an addition on your home or something that's what a construction company would get when you're putting an addition on your home and i just got it for household garbage so i would get the smaller one i let it be known that i am absolutely awful at volume estimation like i'm the person who cannot choose the correct tupperware to save my soul when we have leftovers it's either so tiny that i end up using two or it's so big that it looks absurd like there's two meatballs in a four quart container or something so i think trying to visualize that when i was checking out was rough and i I would rather have too much space than too little so now i would get the smaller one but it's been probably three years Mm -hmm. since we did that and i again it was like it it was an extreme decluttering it was like extreme marie kondo like parachuted into our house and just started throwing stuff out in the backyard that's kind of what it felt like and now that it's been three years and we've had another child and we've moved i would have no qualms about doing it again yep so did i change your mind from from when i initially said i wanted to get a dumpster and you were like that's ridiculous i'm more open to it but as soon as we moved into this house carly was like i'm renting another dumpster and i was like no (laughs) Okay, but it's also not as expensive as, I think it was like $180. Mm -hmm. That's not 
outrageous considering like consider that every time we've done like an extra pickup for something it's like 15 to 20 dollars each time mm-hmm. that you have like a large item a you know bulky item that you need to have picked up so 180 to be able to do all of that at one time i think is a fair i think is worth my money mm-hmm. to wrap do you think waste management companies have affiliate programs <laughs> Just refer a bunch of people to get dumpsters. I don't know if they would know what it is. <laughs> sure, they do. For the garbage treat. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> it's been not worth your money. Spend another segment of not working. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, we'll do that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Debt Free Mom podcast. If you want to join me as a guest on the show, go to dfmpodcast.com. The Debt-Free Mom podcast is hosted by me, Carly Hill, and is produced, edited, and mixed by Kyle Hill. Music for this episode was written by Kyle Hill. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to join in with every new episode as we grow our confidence and contentment in our personal finances. 